Yes. Good. You got your beer. My beer, thank you. Lee, would you care to go first with your first choice of favourite scary scene from either TV or film? Uh, I don't mind. Not at all. But I think we should maybe introduce it to the listeners. That might be an idea. I was thinking we were going to do that. I thought we were going to do that afterwards, you see. I thought we were going to add on an introduction. That's why I said it like that. Let's go from the top then. Okay, so uh, hello listeners, welcome to the Something Wicked podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking about, or debating, the top 10 scariest moments from film and TV. I mean, this has been done loads of times before, there's numerous lists out there. They do tend to be staples that you find in that list. There are. You know, I'm not saying we won't have some of them because we're not going to deny them just because they're quite common. Our list is slightly different to quite a few others because it's a kind of mashup of film and television and it's scariest scenes or scariest moments. It's not necessarily about the scariest film, scariest moments, things that stay with you. Yeah. So I, I think, think as, that's the key. As, to, as a I list, think that's it's the key. a little bit more diverse. I mean, there's loads of like jump scares that are very effective Absolutely. and very good, but I don't necessarily think some of them stay with you. I've picked my list really about how disturbed I felt watching the scene or, or thinking about it later or... Absolutely. So we've each got our shortlist. We don't know what each of us have put um, and we hope to whittle it down to about 10, though not necessarily in, in order. Maybe we should cross that bridge when we find it. We might have a little bit of an argument as, as to uh, a kind of listing of the top 10, but who knows? But yeah. would you care, Lee, to give us your first choice, as in the first choice on the piece of paper? Not necessarily your first choice in going through, but the first the first thing that springs to mind. Well, I've got probably 19 on my list, which I think I know <laughs> which ones will probably Great. discarded. Oh. One, which might be a bit of a curveball. Don't hesitate. Throw it out there. It doesn't, I think we should, personally, I think we should just go through what we've written, what we've each written, and give a little rundown and uh, give an explanation as to why we've chosen that. And then, of course, we can eliminate them as we as the process goes on. Right, so this is one I did think of, but I don't think it's probably going to make the top ten, but I'll see what you think. Um, it's one that I don't often see in top 50 or top 100 lists of scary moments. It's from the movie The Twilight Zone. Have you seen that, Phil? Oh, brilliant. Is it horror at 20,000 feet? It's not. It's the one with... Which they uh, took directly from the TV series. It's from the one with Kevin McCarthy, and he's like a magician. Uh, Yes, I do. And he's doing this rabbit trick. Yeah. And I can't remember the the storyline as such, but there's this creepy kid that seems to be controlling him, and he keeps telling the character McCarthy plays to do the rabbit trick, do the rabbit trick, and you can tell he's like really scared to do it. But he's got a bit of an audience there and uh, he gets his top hat out and you're wondering what the fuck he's going to pull out. And then he just pulls out a rabbit. Okay, and you think, oh, right, it was just a, it was just one of those fake scares. 
But then all of a sudden, this huge monster rabbit comes out of the hat and starts screaming at him. Brilliant. Do you remember it? <laughs> yes, I do now. It, I'd forgotten about that completely. That's such a shame. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a great scare. That's a great one. And I never even thought about that one, which is, which is such a shame because that is terrific. But my first one on the piece of paper is really obvious. To us, it would be really obvious. Maybe not to some other people listening to this, but my first one on the list is the TV version of The Woman in Black and what I would call the bedroom scene yeah. or the, the nightmare scene, which is an absolute classic scare where the woman in black comes over the body of the sleeping man who's been tormented by this figure of the woman in black. It's such a jump scare. It's a brilliantly conceived yeah. jump scare. Something that makes you jump out of your skin and not something you want to necessarily watch on a cold night on your own. It's an obvious one, and it's probably one that is a good contender for the top ten list, but it's it was the first one I put down on the piece of paper. Well, I would wholeheartedly agree with that, because that's on my list as well. For now, then, Lee, a tick against that, since we both agreed on that. Now, we yeah. might change our minds in a bit, but that is a tick. I think maybe the top ten, it has to be ones we agree on first and foremost, doesn't it? Because it is a joint uh, list. That's... Indeed, absolutely. So... There might be some we're going to have a little fight over, a little verbal sparring over, because there might be ones that we're kind of passionate about, but we, you or I might slightly disagree. So, you know, it's going to get interesting. What uh, would be your number two, sir? But just on that, in the end, uh, that one in black, Dave, it's a very underappreciated yeah. adaptation, that, isn't it? I mean, I oh, thought... Oh, hugely. The, the whole thing's brilliant. The Daniel Ratcliffe film was pretty decent. Okay, there was some quite scary... Yeah, me too. ...in that. But I think the adaptation is far superior. A lot of people haven't seen it because it's, it's never shown on TV. I've never seen yeah. it repeated. It's, it's been really hard to track down. I don't even know if it's got an official release. Is it on YouTube, I wonder? Yeah, it's probably on YouTube. I think I may YouTube, have seen but... it on YouTube. And if people like, get the opportunity to look for it on YouTube, uh, I think they should because it's brilliant. It's the way she appears above him. Mm. It's the way she yeah, sort it's of levitates thing. over him, which is fucking yeah. incredibly spooky. Yeah. You know, it's very unnatural, exactly. Right, okay, so the next one I'm going to put forward, and I think this could be a top ten contender, is the hanging scene in The Omen. Oh, well, that's superb, because I was thinking about The Omen, and I was thinking, what scene kind of really scared me in that? The sum of all its parts is brilliant, and that scene in particular is brilliant, but it wasn't one that I would say scared me when I first saw it. The reason I put it in is because it's it's such an unexpected the way it happens, you know, Damien's birthday party in the garden, and then suddenly the nanny appears stood on the roof. You don't initially see that she's got a noose around her neck. And uh, and then she, yeah. and she's got this, like, joyous grin on her face, hasn't she? And she's shouting, oh, Damien, Damien, it's yeah. all for you, Damien. Damien, yeah. Damien. And everyone's looking at her, <laughs> and then she just jumps, and she crashes backwards into the, into the window. Back through the glass window. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just the violence of the scene. It's marvellous. And it's a brilliant film, I have to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is a lot of other good scenes that could, could be contenders there, but I just think it's the fact that she's grinning and she looks so happy. And it comes, it's one yes. of the first scary scenes in the film, isn't it? Because I think that's the first death. Yes. Because I was thinking of The Omen, The Omen, and I kept thinking, what scene in The Omen that really is a standout scary moment? Or, a, you know, a chill factor moment. And I just thought, well, the sum of all his parts makes it a brilliant film. It's a film I absolutely love. And I love anything devilish, you know, to do with the devil. But 
again, that, and, and I will mention The Devil Rides Out as well. I'm glad you brought it up. I think to myself, if I'd have seen The Devil Rides Out when I was, say, 10, and seen the scene when the devil himself comes comes out when they're having the when they're having the occult session in the woods. Yeah. And there is the uh, is uh, the uh, the goat like figure of the devil himself. The beast of goat Mendes. The the devil himself. <laughs> the, you know that's brilliant. It's a brilliant moment. But I I thought I'd be fraudulent putting it in because I really saw the film properly when I was older. I love it. You know, it's a great romp and it is a scary little moment, but. And it's the same with the, the Omen. I think I probably watched it when I was a little bit older, where it didn't kind of have the impact. If I can go into my number two choice now, it's a TV adaptation again. And I'm going to mention The Warning to the Curious now, uh, Lawrence Gordon-Clark's oh, yeah. brilliant M.R. James adaptation. Yeah. And it's literally a fleeting moment, if you like. Hmm. The scene when, after Peter Vaughan has dug up the crown and he takes it back into his his lodgings he is woken in the night and sees the figure crouched on the floor yeah do you know the, you know the yeah and that to me when he scans across the room is such a wonderfully creepy little moment mm. and that did you know even though i saw it as an adult give me a proper little chill you know it proper creeped me out now it might have only been for a few seconds but that's kind of hard to do it gets harder doesn't it as you get older Lee yeah, this is the thing yeah. so most of these scary moments are there for when you're younger in reality but it's great when, and, and we'll I'm sure we'll both come to it there's certain things that have had that effect as we've been gotten older and that's really impressive when a filmmaker is able to do that as you get older mm. and more cynical in life then that's pretty special creep out moment Again, it's probably the sum of all its parts. It makes it a great little play for today, ghost story for Christmas. I think we'll both agree on that. I'm sure yeah. we'll both agree on that. Yeah. Um, but I do love that little scene, and it does it does creep me out. How about your number three, Lee? Related to that, I'm going to throw in the other M.R. James adaptation that I know we both love, uh, which uh, is Whistle and I'll Come to You. I, and it's the yes, magnificent... I knew that was going to be there. Magnificent dream sequence where... Professor Indeed. Parkin, he's already feeling a bit unsettled in his um, hotel room and um, having blown on the whistle that he found, he starts to have difficulty sleeping, he eventually drops off and he has this horrific dream where he's being chased by something that you don't see on yes. the beach in Norfolk and there's so many brilliant uh, moments in that and then Indeed, the sound is. effects are great and then suddenly... There's the one scene, which I think is the best scene in the dream sequence, where he turns around in quite a surreal slow motion shot. And there's this weird yeah. thing, the, the thing that's been chasing him, which is this unidentifiable object stroke figure. Looks a bit like a man, but it isn't. And it's made of something that which you can't identify, which, of course, if you know the story, is, is actually a bed sheet, isn't it? And the way it's moving, Indeed. the groaning sound yes. coming from it. Yes. It fucking yeah. hell. It's I brilliantly mean, done. It's so brilliantly done. And it, this was it, 1968, of course. And uh, I'm absolutely in awe of that. I am too. And I think a nod to its director. Yeah, Jonathan Miller, who we lost recently. There's been a few really good adaptations. That, you know, we've spoken before when we did, we did our M.R. James podcast. We spoke about the uh, TV series Doctors actually did an adaptation of it, and it was really good. 
Oh, it was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we even spoke about the John the John Hurt version, which is somewhat, well, very much pulled away from the original story, but still very effective. I think it's a good standalone Nothing ghost compares. Story. The Jonathan Miller story is very true to the original story, very true, and it's done with such subtlety. Dr. Jonathan, the real Renaissance man, you know, comedian, a doctor, uh, outspoken atheist, interestingly enough, super bright, director of operas, you know, this mm. guy could do it all. You know, he was yeah. amazing. But what he did there was so beautifully and subtly done and such brilliant acting from Michael Horden. Yeah. And the whole piece is, it's a real work of art, brilliantly done work of art, actually. And you're yeah. quite rightly, that, that dream sequence, the moment with just, it basically, to make a rag on a beach scary is a stroke of genius. Yeah. And for that, sir, because I've got it too, I will put a tick. Good against that quite happily and what i would do though is also i put a little nod a little brackets to the very end sequence when the bed clothing rises and he's there yeah. sucking his thumb going oh no oh no. No, no um it's a great creepy little piece of work isn't it and yeah. two or three great scenes so you're next dave all i can say sir is from the sublime to the ridiculous Okay, so yeah. my third choice is an episode of Only Fools and Horses, <laughs> which I have bracketed as Boise's Cottage, right? Where Dell, Rodney, and Grandad decide to go on a fishing trip because they feel that they can illegally poach lots of salmon out of mm. this river. Yeah, uh, I know. When the they get there, they realize that somebody has escaped. A loo- loony, uh, lunatic asylum, as they would have called it then, yeah. a mental inst- a mental hospital. Um, there's much, much better terms for it these days. But uh, you know, we, this is only fools and horses, so it's completely politically incorrect at this point. And uh, especially because it's the only one as well. It's about 1982. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the 1982, 1983 episode. The uh, three compatriots are terrified as the storm brews outside, and as Delboy finds his way into the kitchen uh, and turns the light on. There's a stroke of lightning from the pitch black window outside to reveal a figure standing behind the window uh, as the rain pours down fleetingly, which she doesn't see. And it's a brilliant little scare moment. Mm. And there's two or three in the actual whole piece. But that little scene in itself, because both my son and I jumped out of our skin when we watched it. And that doesn't happen very often to me these days. And he (laughs) thought it was brilliant. We went, oh my god! Because it was genuinely quite frightening. Yeah. And uh, for that reason, I thought it d- deserves a bloody mention. It so does, well it done, does. John Sullivan. And there's another moment as well that, that happens to Rodney, which is pretty scary and hilarious at the same time. So credit to those early fools and horses. They were brilliant. And mm. they also managed to produce terrific little pastiche to the haunted house. Uh, or the the, uh, the the lunatic on the moors kind of 1930s, 40s horrors which uh, unfortunately don't get a single mention from me here, which is a real shame because I mm. loved those kind of things as a kid. But they didn't quite perhaps have the impact of other things. Your fourth choice. Right, well, sort of uh, along the same lines, a bit of a light-hearted one, I think, uh, but one that really did terrify me as a kid but thrilled me at the same time was um, The Headless Horseman from Will Hay. 
Oh, brilliant! <laughs> you go. That's got to be the oldest film as well. <laughs> yeah, it's sure probably, definitely fantastic. the oldest in the list, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> I love that. I used to love them Will Hay films. Me and my brothers used to watch them with my dad, and that was always my favourite. Ask a policeman. Lickety spit. Yeah, lickety spit. So yeah, their policeman Will Hay. Um, what's the Harbottle, the old guy, and uh, Gray Moffat's character. Harbottle. All brilliant yeah. actors. And there's this brilliant. weird they were smuggling brilliant. ring going on. Also happening at the same time is the appearance of this headless horseman. And, you know, I saw this probably yeah. when I was eight, nine, ten, and I'd never heard of a headless horseman. Yeah. But just to see this coach and horses, like, flying down the street, and I think the, the flames were coming out of it as well. And you don't get you don't get much of a close up shot, but you see it from the view of um, the characters, Will Hay and etc. And it still provides very a sort of thrilling moment, and the music as well really adds to it. Indeed, I, I totally agree with you, mate. I totally agree with you. On that vein, I'm, I'm going to go back to childhood again, and I'm going to skip a couple of things because I'd written down for four and five things that we are definitely going to talk about, and I think I might let you have the opportunity perhaps to talk about them first. Right. And I'll tell you about them later. And I'm going to talk about what is my sixth entry, mm-hmm. uh, childhood memories in mine. My next choice is going to be the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Because the first time I saw that, the first time when I was a young child, seeing that odd, strange, skinny, weird guy going down the streets, going, children, lollipops, ice cream, all free today. And I remember it being really terrifying. It really really creeped me out as a kid. Yeah. No, I spoke to a lot of people who feel the same way about it. You know, it's it's it lasted in a lot of people's memories. That I think it was definitely the way the film presented it was almost like a, definitely a warning against random paedophiles on the street. I do believe it wasn't even a feature. I might be wrong on this, but I believe it wasn't even a feature in uh, Ian Fleming's original book. Oh really? Because of course it was Ian Fleming of James Bond. Yeah. Who wrote Chitty yeah. Bang? However, and this will probably make a lot of sense. The person who wrote the screenplay, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, was Roald Dahl. Of and course. that makes a lot of sense it because does, he's yeah, quite, yeah. got quite a lot of very creepy characters. One of the things I was going to mention was the 1971 or 72, I think it is, version of Charlie and the Chocolate Fan- Factory, which was called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate yeah. Factory, starring Gene Wilder, yeah. has a dream sequence in it, which is really kind of freakish. One of the shots is the beheading of a chicken. Uh, if you, I'm sure if you go on YouTube and just ask for that scene and see that scene, that is very creepy in itself. That is very weird. Yeah. Of course, there's the scene in The Wizard of Oz, of course, too, which from 1939 has some very, very creepy moments, especially the flying monkeys. They are mm. pretty creepy. Yeah. But to me, nothing compares to the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which, if I'm not mistaken, was a Roald Dahl creation there we are and it does often appear in these lists i'm sure it does and i'm going to put a question mark to that lee for our top 10 you know i really am the next one i'm going to put in is probably not something you've got but i remember seeing this film 
Okay. Uh, I watched it one Friday night. I shouldn't have been watching it really because I was probably only about 12, 13. But it's Marathon Man. Oh, so wow. What Hoffman. a choice. Well, it's a brilliant film, a wonderful yeah. film. Now, can you guess which scene I'm talking about? This, the scene that springs to mind could be the, the uh, extracting of the teeth scene, yeah. which is a very, very harrowing scene. It's harrowing. I, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have described it as scary, per se. No, but, well, um, it's not that one, actually, Dave. So that is the most famous scene from the film. Of course, where he's yeah. Where tortured by dentistry. No, this, the scene that I'm thinking about is where Dustin Hoffman is in his bath and suddenly he realises he's got intruders. So he's naked, he's having a bath, he's got the door slowly Oh, fuck open. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He hears these voices. Oh my God, he's really vulnerable. Yeah. So he gets up, he, he shuts the door very loudly for a start, which I thought was a bit odd, you know, you know, yeah. why don't you just announce that you're there? Okay, locks yeah. the door, he gets his pyjama bottoms on, probably made him feel a bit better. But then, all of a sudden, these crowbars start easing away the door, you know, or the oh, door frame. God. Yeah. Because you don't know what's behind there, and he doesn't know. Absolutely. And then, Absolutely. you know, he's trapped in his bathroom, he tries to open this tiny window, and the yeah. catch snaps off in his hand. Then he manages to break the glass, and he starts screaming out, help. Uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, for whatever reason, I don't think he could climb through the window. He went back to the door, opened it, and then tried to run. And he immediately got overpowered by the heavies that had come to get him. And they started yeah. putting his head under the water in the bath. Uh, yeah. But I'll never forget the terror. The terror I felt when I saw that. You just see oh these my God. crowbars in the door. They're not, like, saying anything to him. They're just trying to get in. No. And it really did shit me up when I saw it. That is a great pick. And it brings me back to it as a film. Because it's a brilliant film. Is, but yeah. that is that kind of threat of, you know, vulnerability within your own home and being threatened by an intruder. I suppose in a strange way that kind of relates to that Only Fools and Horses thing we're talking about. Yeah. But there's been many, many uh, films, and I've not picked one, that has that kind of threat factor in it. And I'm sure I'm sure if we sat back and thought about it, there'd be other ones that we could think of. But that mm. is actually particularly well done by a great filmmaker, I think John Schlesinger. Yes, was the director was in, yeah. of uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a real popular film in our house. We used to be, we had it on mm. VHS, watched it many story. times. Brilliant oh, it's film. a brilliant story. Mm. And we used to, me and my brothers used to go around uh, quoting William Devane in that film, because, you know, yeah. William Devane's one of the heavies in it who runs away from him. And uh, there's a line where he's running after him and he goes, get the fucking car! Yeah. I think William Devane, if, if I'm right in thinking, was in uh, Knott's Landing after he was, the yeah, marathon. Yeah, or one of them things. or Yeah, I think it was Knott's Landing, actually. So, you know, promising to film career. Toothy, toothy actor, wasn't he? A yeah. big set of teeth. Massive mouth full of yeah. teeth. <laughs> like a Muppet. It's like what a character like the Muppet. Slime ball. He was. And mm. You can imagine him saying that line in it, in it yeah. with his teeth. Yeah. And he's running that shit. Get the fucking car! But a great I bit of casting, it. I thought. Oh, yeah, great bit of casting. You know, he's yeah. a, he was a good actor. No, mm. absolutely great as, like, a kind of slime ball heavy. Brilliant. Mm. No, and it's a great film. I'm going to skip this one for now because this is a... The one I was going to mention is a big favourite of mine. I'm going to hold back a little bit. The next one that had a big impact on me when I first saw this film is a scene from The Entity. Oh, yeah. With Barbara Hurst. Do you remember seeing it? I have seen that. Have you yeah. Yeah. And it's the first time in which she is attacked by the the entity. 
by the aggressive sexual predator of a poltergeist that she has to deal with throughout the whole film. And I think it's really well done. Mm. I think those scenes with Barbara Hershey and the entity, I mean, you know, I suppose nowadays it might be spoken about as being kind of exploitative. And again, it's like The Exorcist. It's based on a true story. Yeah, but I thought she's great in it, and it's it's very harrowing, and it was fucking disturbing as far as I was concerned when I was young. I saw that again when I was probably too young to watch it, but it rapes her, doesn't it? It, ra- it rapes yeah. her, yeah. The entity, this this uh, ghostly presence, this poltergeist, uh, is aggressive and rapes her, and continues to rape her on numerous mm. occasions. This is the thing, but it's the first scene in particular that's really mm. really disturbing because. You're kind of anticipating it as well. That anticipation into a scare is another thing which is makes the scare even more valuable, I suppppose, for the viewer, if you like. Yeah. Valuable is the right word. But you know what I mean? That lasts the memory. It's an effective, exactly. Mm. It has the uh, lasting effect. I found the film in general, I thought the end was a little bit overstated and overplayed, as quite often happens, especially in modern films. And again, that idea of an unknown entity taking control of you is something in, that I found, especially growing up, really, really troublesome. That's why the Exorcist had a lasting effect with me as well. Yeah. No, I agree. That I'll is leave a great that. scene. I mean, I didn't think of that one. Um, I've not seen the film probably since since I was a kid. Um, I revisited it about 10, 12 years ago, and I thought it still really packed a punch. I thought it still really hard an impact you know but it, when you watch it when you're sort of 15 or something where you you feel like you're kind of vulnerable to changes in your life mm. it, it freaks you out a bit really yeah. watching something like that now this again is is something that is often appears on top 10 lists and there's often different scenes from the film that are cited as being one of the scariest moments but i'd say this one is, is probably the most common one and it is the texas chainsaw massacre oh wow great choice and yeah i was debating between two scenes and the first one is Leatherhead's Leatherhead Leatherface's first appearance yeah, yeah. <laughs> his first appearance yeah. where I don't think you've seen him I could be wrong but I think the first time you see Leatherface is when that couple go to the house and the guy starts knocking on the door the girl's getting a bit funny because I think he finds a tooth and gives it to her which, which pisses her off so he goes into this house then all of a sudden Leatherhead Leatherface just comes out and belts him with his massive hammer and he falls to the floor oh God, yeah. and he starts twitching this, that and the other and Leatherface just picks him up. Okay, so there's that scene but then there's the scene that just follows on for it which is just this fucking horrible scene where the girl goes into the house looking for a boyfriend and again mm. he appears out the blue and I think it's the sound he makes is just horrible as well as he starts chasing her. He gets her, yeah. drops her at the door, yeah, yeah. pulls her inside, she's fighting for life. He picks her up, takes her into the back room, and then in the foreground, you see these meat hooks. And they're yeah. quite high up, so you know, you're not thinking they're gonna be part <coughs> of the scene necessarily. But Leatherface just picks the girl up and sits her right on this meat hook. On the meat hook, and yeah. Her reaction is, is brilliant. I mean, in terms yeah. of acting, it's brilliant. But she's sat there and she's squirming and Leatherface starts the chainsaw up. Oh, my God. I mean, that scene when I first saw it, you know, it freaked me out because at that time, I mean, cinema was getting more scary and stuff and, you know, it was yes. getting a bit more <laughs> shocking. 
but I think up until that point there'd never been anything in a film that well obviously The Exorcist the year before what I'm talking about but uh, you know what I mean it was a really brutal scene it was a yeah, really absolutely bru- exactly that's the difference psychopathic yeah, violence yeah I agree with that um, exactly not many things had had that kind of brutal psychopathic violence that made you sort of feel really sort of cold inside watch and it really it, it was very effective even for such a low budget film very effectively done you know you can't really take it all in can you it's like being under no, attack without doubt that is particularly i think um texas chainsaw massacre the original one is particularly good low budget exploitation horror flick particularly well done particularly dark and the lack of empathy, uh, the socio- sociopathy in it is brilliantly delivered, really. And that's what's scary about it. I think yeah. that's it. It's the fact that that comes across in the film, the sort of um, the lack of concern about killing somebody in such a brutal way, mm. treating people like a slab of meat in the butchers. Mm. And that's the idea behind it, isn't it, really? Yeah. I think that's a great choice. I'm going to go in a, in a slightly different path now. I'm going to actually now, I'm, I'm going to jump into one of my, my big choices what i consider my big choices and that is don't look now so it's the end scene <laughs> i've got it though dave but take us I through think it we're gonna, i think also because it has very personal Im- impact on me very impactful because i remember being told i wasn't allowed to see the end of the film as a kid i managed to sneak our black and white portable into my bedroom i hid it in a wardrobe <laughs> and for my sins, when I saw the end of the film, you know, watching it through to the end, and when I saw the the final denouement in the in the film, where Donald Sutherland goes up and up and up into the bell tower of this particular old building in Venice, where he sees the dwarf figure, thinking it's his child somehow reincarnated, wearing the red jacket, his child that's died, and then as he reaches out for the child, don't cry, don't cry. It turns around and it's this horrible little dwarf-like figure smiling at him and then unleashes this axe into his throat and cuts his juggler vein and it, and, and it is, there's uh, blood everywhere and he bleeds yeah. out all yeah. over the place. Probably the first time I'd ever seen that too, which is very shocking. So the first time I've seen that image that I just did not expect to see such a sort of strange, harrowing image at the end of the film. And then the double whammy of seeing Donald Sutherland fall to the ground, bleeding out all over the place, had such a massive impact on me. More than anything, I would say. That film, that ending, really impacted on me as a kid. Um, So much so that I think I ended up sleeping on the landing because I think my mum and dad had gone out and... uh, yeah, it was bloody terrifying, and I, I probably was only about 10 years old or something when I first saw it. So Really? 10? God, that is amazing maybe, to watch that. Maybe. Maybe it was a little bit older. I mean, I was told, I was allowed to watch a little bit. Of the beginning. I was probably about 12, probably to my son's age. I was allowed to watch a fair bit of it, and uh, some of the scenes at the beginning are pretty joy. You know, there's a massive sex scene in it, of course, as well, and I think... I'm not sure I saw that, though. I'm not sure I saw that with any other members of my family. I think I saw that on the black and white portable. It's a long time ago. But I know that I was very young, and Mm. I was very naughty in taking this black and white television. I was fascinated by it, though. I thought it seemed such a really amazing, unusual film. I was really traumatised by the beginning, of course, as well, when they lose the child at the beginning, which is horrible. 
Uh, but the ending, wow, it's an amazing film. It really is an amazing, and it's an amazingly sad film as well. Yeah, to my embarrassment, I'm not that familiar with it. I'm, I'm sure I've seen it, but I think I've possibly seen it after I've seen the the ending, if you know what I mean. I think yeah, the ending might have been something I came across. It might have been on a clip show or something. Yeah, uh, so sure. it slightly spoiled it for me, but I can't. I mean, you tell me, is the dwarf woman at the end, is, does she feature in the film at any other point? At yeah, all? fleeting moments, because the ba- the basic storyline is, is that when they go to Venice to sort of patch up things in there, to try and sort of save their marriage in a way, to get away from what happened to their daughter, you know, because at the beginning the daughter drowns, yeah. you know, which is really, really sad. I remember that. And they have a son as well. He, he They send him off to boarding school, you know, which is... That seems like fucking crazy, but they are. Anyway, you know what I mean? Mm. You, lose, you lose one kid and you send the other one off to boarding school while you fuck off to Venice. But anyway, that's another story. You know, let's not forget, it was written by Daphne du Maurier as well. Yeah. So she was pretty much from the Blue Blood set, you know, which on the whole get on the tits. But she was a great writer. And mm. if you read her short story, which is brilliant, and I would recommend anybody to get it, it follows the path of Nick Rogue's film this is what surprised me. Nick Road is really true to her short story. So all the kind of strangeness in the short story was already there, you know, uh, sorry, in the film, was already there in the short story. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? It was already there in the short story. Anyone would have thought, knowing what Nick Road was like as a filmmaker, would have, would have thought, oh, well, Nick Rogue's tweet this story, you know, Daphne du Maurier. But Daphne du Maurier was very capable of writing very strange ghost stories. And basically, that's what, a lot of what Don't Look Now is because, you know, the wife, uh, Donald Sutherland's character's wife, because of she's, you know, terribly broken-hearted over the loss of a daughter, meets these psychics, and there's a, a, a moment of, the psychic moment, let's put it that way, the wife goes through, who's played by the magnificent Julie Christie, in so many ways, magnificent Julie Christie, and... Uh, She's there on the um, one of the famous bridges in Venice, the um, Ponte, was it Monte Verde? I've forgotten now. But um, the uh, she looks across and sees her husband. Uh, no, sorry, I'm I'm talking absolute shy. I've got the wrong way around. Donald Sutherland's character is on the bridge, and he has he has a premonition. It's a premonition to his own funeral. Because he looks across the bridge, of course, you don't know this. I'm terribly sorry anyone listening to this hasn't seen the film. This is a massive spoiler for the whole mm. film. But sod it. If you haven't seen it by now, you know, you should have done. Um, but he looks across from the bridge and he sees his wife on what is like a, a, a funeral barge or, uh, going through the canals of Venice. Yeah. And he, he calls out to her and she sort of can't hear him or ignores him. But actually, you realise after he's been killed, this is a premonition of his own... Right his own journey to his own funeral. God, yeah. sorry, very convoluted, I do, do apologise. And, um, yeah, it's it's amazingly written, beautifully twisted story. But going back to the impact of the end of that film, it's beautifully done by Nick Rogue, and it's completely unexpected. This little dwarf or midget will turn around and be this incredibly kind of gnarly old woman who was mm. a psychopath. And there is this figure in the film. There is this figure. So you do see see her in other parts yes. of the film. Yeah. 
Do you know what? I've gone round the houses there, Lee. I really apologise that, Lee. I've gone really round no, the houses no, and I should have just gone right. straight to the point <laughs> and said to you that, yeah, there's two or three moments in the film mm. where you see this rain-coated figure and you see this little red... But you don't see the face. No, you don't. Ah. And it tends to go, like this, the music, as yeah. you see the little figure scurrying off down an alleyway, down a little corridor. And the Mac is reminiscent. The red Mac is reminiscent of the Mac that the daughter died sure. in when she yeah. drowned in the in the in the pond in the lake. And it is brilliantly conceived, and it's it's left you wondering all the way through. So because it, even though it's a slow film, a slow burner, it's got so many little moments that just keep you engaged with it. Yeah. And then of course this incredible denouement at the end, which is, is horrifying. <laughs> it is horrifying. But why does she kill him? Is that well exactly why she's, or is it not really explained? Now, it kind of makes sense in the end because the little figure is seen around these bodies that are found in the river in Venice. Mm. So what's happened is there's been these killings, these spate of killings in Venice, which is a kind of very small subplot in the story, but it makes sense in the end because basically this little figure that Donald Sutherland just thinks could be his daughter somehow, some way, is actually just a psychopath going around randomly killing people in Venice, you know. God. So it's very strange little film, a very strange little short story. It's a great little short story to read as well. You won't get any argument from me about that, Dave. I think that's a shoe-in for the top ten. The next one I'm going to put forward is, is a film that I, again, and there's a bit of a theme... <laughs> happening here saw when <laughs> i was far too fucking young no i think this is part of it I think yeah this is a very it is, important it is. part of the, but i of think the... this still has the power to scare people t- today uh, but just to set the scene this was um me and my two brothers um were staying with my auntie and uh, video shops had just sort of come out at that time you know it was early 80s 80 81 she took us to this video shop and let us get a couple of videos out. And the two that we chose, and I think Gav, my older brother, was responsible for this. <laughs> and I can't believe we were even allowed <laughs> to watch them. The first one was City of the Living Dead, which I think right, is an cool. Italian horror. Have you ever seen right. that? I am familiar with it, yeah. And that's, that I is very I've... scary. That has got a very disturbing scene in it as well, or plenty of disturbing scenes, and I really need to watch that again. The second one was The Brood. Starring oh, uh, yeah. Oliver Reed and is it Samantha Egger? I think is, yeah. is the, the woman. Now, it's about the horrible, deformed little children in it, which you don't really see their faces, do you, at the beginning or throughout the film? No. And it's just at the end. And, and what these children are is they're basically physical manifestations of one of the characters' rage. But these children are homicidal little bastards, aren't they, that go around killing anybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the scene that is the most disturbing is, is a scene that happens, I think it's in the school or nursery, where they attack the teacher and they just kill her. Uh, but yeah. even now when I've seen it, it's still very disturbing. It's really good as well that you mentioned David Cronenberg because I haven't put any Cronenberg stuff on my list. And Cronenberg is a master of kind of psychological uh, disturbance. You know, it, it, him and David Lynch are probably the best at it, yeah. you know, in a way. Uh, Cronenberg has much more of a kind of direct narrative in his films, whereas obviously Lynch is very surreal with a lot mm. of stuff that he does. And I think that's a really interesting choice. 
there's probably like two or three moments in Cronenberg's films that have got, you know, that are worthy probably yeah. of any top ten. Honestly. Yeah. There's one particular moment in my next choice, and actually because you've mentioned Cronenberg, I'm going to mention David Lynch. I class it as called the Cafe Stroke Witch Alley scene. Yes. <laughs> I, I knew this was the one you were going to talk about. And the film itself, has, you know, it's not... Again, it's David Lynch, so it's it's weird and it has some kind of uneasy moments throughout it. But this is a genuinely frightening scene. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about favourite scenes or, you know, it really does come out of the blue at you. And when the, the man leaves with his friend, leaves the cafe and the, the guy's leading the guy out for whatever reason. What he does is he's describing to his friend, they're sat in this yeah. diner and he's describing That's to his right. friend this dream that he keeps having. They call it the nightmare scene. Yeah, the nightmare. The nightmare. He's leading up to it. He's preparing you for it. Okay. What's interesting there is... It never... You're not prepared. No. When I was re-watching it tonight, I was watching it on silent, actually. And the the guy behind him is there leading him out. He's looking terrified, the guy in front of him. He's leading him out of the cafe. I was reminding myself of it because I've actually... It was ages ago since I saw it. Mm. So uh, that's great that you've refreshed my memory because because we had the telly on, we were watching something else. I was just refreshing my memory of, was it such a genuinely frightening scene? And actually, without the music, without the dialogue or anything, it's still fucking frightening. Yeah. You know? Because it's just the impact of the imagery is really strange. And the anxiety of the man going towards it, where the guy behind him leading him out and telling him the story... It's brilliant. So you can actually watch it in, in silence and still find that scene yeah, really well, he's strange. Telling, he's telling him that he's going towards this wall. Um, That's correct. Thing, yes, and, he and is. something That's appears right. from behind the wall and the camera sort of That's takes right. over. So the camera yeah. at the end takes over his viewpoint. So the viewer is anticipating and waiting for this thing that's about to this come. Thing. You've no idea what it is. I mean, he doesn't tell you what it is. No. And then... I mean, I'll let you describe what it is that suddenly appears from... It's in close-up as well. It's in close-up. It just kind of... It materialises. What's great as well is you're thinking, go around the alley, he's going to go down the alley, he's going to go around the alley, he's, he's getting towards the alley, and then it just it just comes at you. Yeah. And the, what's great about it as well, especially if you watch it a few times, is it smirks this face, and it's kind of... Is it a woman? Is it a man? I think it's a woman. Again, like the the end sequence of Don't Look Now, the face is very kind of disturbingly, you know, uh, homogenous. You can't really quite tell whether it's a man or a woman. It's wrinkly and weird. But in this case, it's kind of very dark. Dirty. It's not black. It's not like a black person. You can tell it's more like a Caucasian person that's covered in black black. And he's got dreads. It looks like he's got dreadlocks. Yeah, I remember it being described as like a burnt witch. Whether it actually is, I'm not sure. But it's funny you mentioned something about the expression because the expression is very interesting and I think a good part of it because you might... It's like a smirk. Well, to me, it just seems to have a very passive face, an expressionless face. You know, it's not not really threatening. It's not like that. No, no, no. Exactly. Trying to scare somebody. And I think it's that that throws you. Indeed. Without doubt. And there's a good Without sound down. effect, like a... When That's it, it with a... Yeah. It's just a freakishly brilliant moment. Yeah. And I think that's it. I mean, you know, this idea of scenes that stick with you. You're not going to forget that in a hurry. It's yeah. really fucking weird. 
and it is genuinely scary. It's, it is. It's well, scary. You know what? That scene has been voted the number one in many lists. Has it really? It absolutely is. And I think there was one Channel 4 one uh, which did a countdown, and that was the number one. Wow. For me, it's the fact that the build-up to it is so good. You know, he's telling you something horrible is going to happen, which really yeah. does up the ante. It's brilliant to get that denouement when you're you're being mm. built up to it in such a way. But you've got to deliver, haven't yeah. you? Because although it's really... a jump scare, it's a different type of jump scare because you are expecting it or you're expecting something, but you just don't yeah. know what. Right, okay, my next one is, um, again, comes under the really, really disturbing category. Great, come And on. it stars again, somebody we've mentioned, uh, Mr. Donald Sutherland. Okay. And I think, Super. again, in this film, he is sporting that excellent head of curly hair. Right? Oh, he's got you the Keegan Perm. I know what the yeah. film is. Go I know on. what you're going to say. Go you're going to say the 1976 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yep. I can't clarify the year, but I'm sure you're right. It is indeed that film. Yep. Uh, again, another film I watched with my mum and dad. Great it's film. It's a brilliant film. It great, a really great brilliant film. film. But you know what the, the scene is that I'm going to pick? Go on. You any ideas? Um, they said, they said, oh, my God, I know the bit. Is it the bit? Because it freaked me out, and I never thought of this, Lee. Oh, I'm jealous because I never thought of this. Is it the bit where they take over the body of the vagrant guy and his dog... And his dog then ends up having a human face. Yes. That bit is so fucking... That freaked me out as a kid. Oh, God. I mean, it's a split second, actually. This dog sort of walks up to them, Donald Sutherland and um, the other character in it, and it's got a fucking man's face with a beard. What the fuck is that? Even before The Thing, and The Thing freaked me out. Yes, it's similar to The Thing. Amazing. So my next choice, again, isn't specifically a horror film, far from it, really. It's a kind of strange, surreal film in a, in a different way than David Lynch would put something together, but still a very unusual film, and that is Oh, Lucky Man, starring Malcolm McDowell. All right. Well, this is the first one that we've mentioned, or you've mentioned, that I'm not actually familiar with. Now, there's, it's, uh, this is great, and I'm pleased about this, Lee, because I want you, when uh, I've spoken about this, to go and have a look at it, and you can find this scene on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And folks listening to this, please go and have a look on YouTube with this, because this film is a very unusual film. It's a kind of slightly surreal British comedy in some ways, uh, and uh, it points the finger at British society and everything else. Malcolm McDowell, the hit guy of the time, this was post Clockwork Orange. He was a big star, and he chose to do this film, Oh Lucky Man. And there's this scene in it. This is one scene where he's in this hospital. I think they, I think he's given himself up to have tests done on him, and he's, you know, goes into this hospital as young people sometimes do when they're short of a few bob, you know. And uh, he goes down the corridor of this hospital. He hears this noise, and there's this young man in bed, and he wants to know what's the matter with him. This is how I remember it. It might be wrong because I, I looked at the scene tonight, but again, I didn't watch it with the sound. It's the, it's all about the imagery in these things, of course. And um, you just see the guy's head and his neck and he's shivering in bed and he's looking very forlorn and sad. And he says, what's up with you? And Malcolm McDowell's going, what's up with you? And McDowell pulls the bedclothes back. And they've obviously been doing some experiments on this guy. And as he pulls the bedclothes back, he suddenly realises what where his hands are now, hooves. Oh, uh, he pulls it all the way back, and he's got the body of a pig. 
And when I saw that for the first time, I fucking freaked out. And so, what's great as well, Malcolm McDowell does too brilliantly. He just sort of screams his head off as well when he sees it. This sort of shivering guy. It's the fact the guy's shivering in bed and you know, it's horrible. And he pulls the bedclothes back and he goes, ah, ah, like this. The next scene, he runs out of the room and literally dives through a window. He's in the second story of his <laughs> hospital. Just dives through this window to get away from it. But it came so out of the blue in this film. Yeah. It was so different from everything else that was taking place within this film that it really lasted and was really shocking to me at the time. So that, for me, is... Well, when you were talking, Dave, I was putting it in YouTube and it came up automatically as pig scene. Yes. So yeah. I'm watching it now. Yeah. Oh, he's just screaming. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he's horrible. running down the corridor. He's out the window. <laughs> Bang, yeah. Wow, what a somersault that was. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that is so odd. That's really horrible. That's what I'm talking about, you know, about some of these scenes. It's, it's the seeing of the unnatural. Absolutely. And these scenes can be just like that, fleeting yeah. scenes, yeah. 40 or 50 seconds long, you know, but they, they, they have an indelible impact on you. Mm. And this is what's amazing about it. And I think this is what I'm sort of looking to extract from, from this list. And I think obviously you are too, mate, mm. that it's always that moment that, like you say, the great thing with Mulholland Drive, it has that it has that build-up that where the actual impact is, is as good as the build-up, which is amazing, if not better. Mm. But in this scene, you're just not expecting it to happen at all. You, what's, and the guy's shivering in bed, and he pulls it back, and it's a pig. Oh, my God. It's fucking weird, oh man. Oh, my God. He's a hairy pig as well. It's, it's a hairy sheep, sheep pig. What is, is it a pig? Is it a sheep? It's horrible. Whatever it is, it's really yeah. fucking horrible. Just watching it again, he knocks that nurse flying when he runs <laughs> down the corridor. It's <laughs> some good stunt work in this film. It's, really, it's so brilliant. It's so weird. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shivering in this bed. God. And he turned, turned him into like the island of Totsum Yeah. I wonder what they were paying that guy. I mean, I bet he wasn't expecting that. We're just going to chop your head off and sew it to a pig-stroke-sheep hybrid. That is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen, man. Yeah. It's really disturbing. It I'm not wrong, am I? No, not at all, it's no. It's fucking freakish. And I, and I wasn't that young when I saw that as well. I was I was probably well in my 20s when I first saw mm. that film. Because mm. it just came out of the blue. It just really came out of the blue. The film's not like that. The rest of the film isn't like that. Is it's it a good film? One, it's pretty good. It's it, you know, it's kind of quirky. To comedy drama. It's comedy drama. It, yeah, it is, and it kind fantasy of fantasy film. It was McDowell's. Oh, um, Lindsay Anderson. Lindsay Anderson. That's yeah. right. I was trying to remember the name of the director. It was Lindsay Anderson, who obviously did a lot of unusual things. He did If, didn't he? I think yeah. with uh, McDowell. Yeah, that's a good film. Yeah. And I think that McDowell really wanted to make the film. It was kind of about his early life. I think about him doing different things and trying to make his way in life. So maybe he had been to one of these medieval kind of places where they experiment on you. That's the idea behind it, isn't it? If you let us, if you let us inject you with a bit of a virus, we'll give you 2,000 quid. If you let us cut off your little toe, we'll give you 4,000 quid. You know, that kind of thing. Come to medieval. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, now come to medieval. Oh, shit. And if you if you let me sleep next to you in bed, I'll give you five thousand pounds. 
Oh dear. But yeah, that has made my day. That you have seen that for the first time and loved it because oh, yeah. I was doubting myself. But I thought, is was it really as shocking? Mm. And then when we watched it tonight, I thought, no, that is fucking shocking. It's really. You know, and I, and I love the fact that he just legs it, smashes into the nurse and then flies out the window in such a spectacular fashion. It's great how it turns from being really disturbing to being really hilarious. Yeah. That's the thing as well, yeah. because his scream is brilliant as well. Yeah. And then he bashes the nurse out and then somersaults out the window. It's kind of brilliant because that's what you would do. If you saw that, that, that kind of <laughs> image of horror right yeah. before you, you would just do anything to get out there. Climb the stairs. <laughs> I don't think you've got to be far from a flight of stairs. No, excellent choice. Uh, Thank so you, Sue. Just next going choice. on to the next one. And, um, you know, I don't want to push this one, but I'm hoping this will be in the top ten because uh, I still find it very disturbing. And it's uh, from The Shining. Oh, my God. I think I've got the same scene. Go on. And uh, it's what is known as the woman in the bath scene. Oh, my God. Tick that. Brilliant. It's right next to our lucky man. Well, there's a sort of Kubrick connection there, isn't there, with Clockwork and... uh, Yeah, Kubrick was, yeah, Clockwork Orange. And the... uh, And The Shining. He did uh, Clockwork Orange, and then he did Barry Lyndon, and then the the next film along was The Shining. Yeah, so the woman in the bath scene uh, in Room 237, the notorious... Scary room where I think the characters are warned or forewarned in premonitions and such like not to go near. So Jack Nicholson's character, Jack Torrance, enters this room and there's a good build-up to this because he's sort of walking through this hotel suite and he eventually gets to the bathroom and you see the bathroom from quite a distance and this woman pulls back the curtain and there's this sort of quite shapely, young-looking woman sat in the bath. Yeah. She gets out naked and sort of walks towards him seductively, beckons him. He goes over and he starts kissing her and then he catches sight of himself in the mirror and instead of this shapely young woman he's holding, he's holding this great big gangrenous blob of a woman. Ancient woman. Ancient woman. (laughs) You know, there's like these horrible green patches on her like sores or... Mold. Rotting, rotting flesh. <laughs> I love like Jack Nicholson's moss. reaction because he, he he does it all in the eyebrows, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and he's seen the horror of this scene. He's seen a reflection. And then what I think is genius, it cuts back to the woman rising out of the bath. Yeah. Uh, which is not right. sort of in, in um, sequence, if you like. But no, this right. horrible, scary, dead-looking woman just sits up in the bath they repeat that scene or loop that scene a couple of times and then it cuts to he's trying to get out of this bathroom and this horrible old woman naked woman and I'd never seen a naked old woman at that point in my life (laughs) which is horrible to see right because it's full frontal isn't it and she's coming towards him grinning and beckoning it you know Joe come on come back and he can't get out of that room quick enough brilliant fucking horrible scene it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You described that perfectly. That's brilliant. The Shining's great. Again, some of all its parts and one thing on it. It's got great scenes in it. Mm. But that, to me, is the really scary, disturbing moment in The Shining. I know Bashit hate. Here's Johnny and all that kind of... He's great and everything. And uh, running around the maze with an axe and everything and chasing the boy. All great. It's also intercut with scenes 
where both Scatman Crubber's character and um, Danny are yeah. having these, you know, these shine moments where they're yeah. seeing things. So, so it's almost like they're seeing the scene as well. And you if you remember, they're both looking absolutely terrified. Yeah. Uh, whilst they're experiencing this, the kid who plays Danny is brilliant. I have to yeah. say, and, yeah. and fantastic. And the film is a brilliant piece of work. The whole yeah. thing is brilliant about it. Again, that sense of being trapped with Shelley Duvall and Danny then escaping outside, freezing cold, and Jack Torrance follows him outside and chases him around the maze and all that. Brilliant. So many scenes in The Shining are great. Yeah. But that scene, the bathroom scene, is without doubt, for me, the standout scary scene in it. And I'm glad you think the same mm. because it's, I've just given it an extra big thick tick next to it. Right, right. I'm going to be. You're big, up next, Dave. Thanks, pal. And I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. <laughs> because this next piece is a little-known piece to any potential listeners out there, but it's a very, 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 very precious piece to you and me. It's not our and film, is it? <laughs> it certainly is. Oh. I am putting forward, because you'd be too modest to do it, but I'm not. I'm going to be very immodest and say that the cathedral scene in our film, uh, I, I, there's two, really, that I would put through. The, the cottage scene which is brilliant. And actually, I don't want to give any spoilers to this because I hope that some of our listeners will go and look at our film and, and see what they think of it because I'm so proud of it. I know you are too. Yeah. We've already had some great reviews uh, on YouTube and uh, I think we've put together some incredibly scary scenes. And actually, we put together a brilliant, a brilliant little film and there's so many great scenes in it. But perhaps what I will do... I kind of am caught between the cottage scene and the cathedral scene. So is the cathedral scene the the dream? The dream. Yeah. Because I love the little ending of it. Um, yeah, the ending you know, is particularly yeah, good. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and a bit slightly subliminal with the eye. We've, we've eyes. had a lot of nice comments about that. We that, have that scene actually, and I think you know we have to be honest, and or I have to be honest, is that. I was massively influenced by the whistle, and I think. Oh yeah, but sequence. I was. You know that. You know. Yeah. You know I was because and... we were so into that film, and that's. Part, yeah. I think partly why we shot the film in black and white as a sort yeah. of. Yeah. To, to Jonathan Miller's brilliant film, um, but we yeah, did we that, did that. work hard, and I remember. We did we did being and, almost and... obsessed with trying to create the scary scenes because we did we really of, did. If you remember that, you know the cottage scene that you're talking about. Uh, we ditched lots of different ideas, didn't we? We, we did. We did. Them. Well, I tell you why. Because I was obsessing uh, to you over this idea mm. of this reproduction of the image in 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 like a mirror or in water or something, which mm. was really hard to do. Looking back on it now, yeah, it was, I was like a big steam, advocate, wasn't it? I think, yeah, and mirror, I was a big yeah. advocate of trying to make it kind of a simple story because I think when I initially came to you with the idea of this like, a guy having this haunting image in a photograph that just bothers him. Mm. The idea was for it to be a kind of very simple piece that we could make as creepy as possible because we were both so into MR James, you know, we'd, mm. we'd all, all our friends had got into MR James and we'd really got into the ghost stories for Christmas and stuff and the idea of the simplicity of a brilliant scare, yeah. you know, simplicity of a brilliant little creepy horror. In that cottage scene particularly, oh, there's more than yeah. one scary scene. You think yeah. you've seen the scary scene and then another thing happens. And... Yeah. Do you know what, Lee? I'm going to say, I'm yeah. going to say, yeah, because I, I wanted to throw the cathedral scene in there because I'm so proud of it. I'd say both are as good as each other. For different and the reasons. cottage scene. Mm. So I'm going to put forward both of them. Our natural sense of modesty 
will probably not allow us to take them forward into the top 10 list. I think there is good, as good as scares in, in what we achieved as there is in almost anything, really. We've got to judge those scenes on what other people, strangers, have made of them. I, I, that, absolutely. You know, I think we have been backed up in our belief that those are we scary have. scenes. And know. I can honestly say this, listeners, if you get a chance, see the film, it's there on YouTube, and read the reviews and let us know what you think of it because we have had... It was a labour of love, wasn't it? It was a labour of love. And it's brilliant now to be rewarded with these comments because people have loved it. Yeah, one or two dickheads will say something negative, but the majority of things that are said on it are so positive. And it's amazing the people that understand the idea of a slow-burning ghost story with this marvellous, scary moment here and there. The people that understand that absolutely love what we've done, and I, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's uh, exaggerating to say that, is it, Lee? Because no, they no, really no, have. No. The, the, it's been so rewarding to read such positivity about what we did, because we we wanted it to be a serious piece to take this idea of uh, of the ghost story of the supernatural. And... Yeah, it was a bit of a homage to M. R. James, wasn't it? Without doubt. Uh... But we, we definitely put a modern twist a modern on it, and that's what version. is great about it, I think. Mm. And I'm really, really proud of it. And I'm not ashamed to say that, for me, either the cathedral scene or the cottage scene, or both of them, are well worthy to go on this list. Well, this is a film that is available to watch online, and it is well worthy to go on this list. It's called The Haunting <laughs> Image. Indeed it is. Right, well, I think that might be a good place to pause, Dave. I think that may well be there, my friend. So uh, that's the end of part one. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our choices. If you have got some comments or you'd like to put forward your own choices, then please do it via our Facebook page, which uh, if you search for Mm -hmm. Something Wicked Podcast, you should be able to find us. Uh, So, yeah, it's been good, Dave. Brilliant. And remember, folks, don't miss out on part two. It's going to get even better. So thanks again, everybody. Join us soon for part two.